you so much for tuning in here to NL Newsday. Now, of course, yesterday was a holiday Monday, so that means today is the first day of the work week. And as always, pleased to welcome to the program Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you doing today? I'm not bad, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Had a nice long weekend, but ready to get back to work and have some important conversations here. So happy to have you back on the show. Uh, before, though, I would like to say a just happy belated birthday and also congratulations on being named one of those top three DUI lawyers in the province. That sounds like a nice accolade for you. So I just wanted to start with that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's really nice. All right, uh, let's get to some some news here. So there was a cell phone case here involving CB radios. Now, I don't hear much about CB radios unless, you know, I'm talking to some kind of a radio nerd who are heavily involved in collecting old equipment and things like that. So with this case, what, what exactly is going on? Can you maybe provide a little background here? So this is a, case is another example of sort of the lack of clarity in our distracted driving law. It involved a woman, Ms. Shackley, uh, who was operating a delivery van for work, and she had a CB radio installed so that she could talk to her delivery dispatcher. Um, the radio had a handheld microphone. But the audio that was coming out of the radio was played through the speakers of the vehicle, and the radio itself was hardwired and mounted into her vehicle. Uh, she testified that she would drive around with the microphone in her hand to, in order to respond to the dispatcher when they came over. This was just a habit of hers. Um, and then that was what was in her hand at the time that the officer observed her. And she was convicted at trial on the basis of the fact that regardless of whether she had the microphone or a cell phone in her hand, the judicial justice was of the view that uh, it was an electronic device because it was a microphone and therefore uh, it was a violation of the law. She appealed her conviction and uh, successfully got it overturned by pointing out the fact that it's only two-way microphones that qualify as handheld microphones as electronic devices under the Motor Vehicle Act. So essentially, if the microphone also broadcasts audio, kind of like having your phone on speakerphone, mm -hmm. um, then it would constitute an electronic device. But if it doesn't broadcast audio, then it is not an electronic device. It's part of a, a radio equipment that's mounted to the vehicle. So it's a very, a, a very minor distinction, but an important one because lots of people are issued tickets for using these types of dash-mounted radios that they use in sort of commercial driving work. Okay, so, I mean, is this then providing a little bit of clarity then moving forward based on the fact that she was able to, to appeal this case and win? Does that, you know, maybe clear things up for, for future people who are charged in this type of a situation? It definitely clears things up. I get this question probably at least once a month from people who are ticketed for this. Um, so it's, it's actually a more widespread problem than you would realize. Um, and it also hopefully clears things up for the police because the police, of course, are enforcing a law in a way that is not valid. Um, so, you know, ideally, they're not going to be ticketing people who are using these delivery type radios um, or professional radios in the course of their employment. I mean, given the fact that there does seem to be some confusion on behalf of law enforcement when it comes to this, I mean, probably anticipate quite a few of these types of instances still coming forward, but maybe a little bit easier to actually argue and fight now. It should be a little bit easier to argue and fight. Um, the one thing, of course, that I always am concerned about with distracted driving legislation is the fact that these decisions don't get disseminated to the police. There's no process to send them out to all police officers and go, hey, look, this is the law. You've been enforcing it improperly. Please stop writing these tickets. 
Um, so unless, of course, an officer hears about it in, in a media story like this, um, they're not likely to change their behavior. And it's only if a person receives the ticket, realizes that the officer is in the wrong, takes the ticket to court, and then succeeds in their dispute, that the officer is going to learn to do things differently. And given the small percentage of tickets that are actually disputed, that to me is uh, a concerning thing. Well, I mean, distracted driving is not a, a small fine either, right? This is something that is significant when it comes to your driving records. So uh, fighting it probably seems like the right way to go based on that. Is there anything that, you know, if, if you were to get pulled over for using a CB radio inside your vehicle and, and you know, we're being uh, handed a distracted driving ticket, is there any advice you could give to, like, a, a person who is who is being ticketed to, in terms of a conversation? You don't want to be rude, right, and, and, and uh, kind of elevate the situation and get into some kind of argument. But is there any like anything they could say in, when they're you know having that conversation with an officer that might clear things up, or does it strictly have to almost go to court at that point? I would recommend just taking it to court. Um, the more you talk to police, the less sort of beneficial usually your situation becomes. My advice consistently is don't talk to the police, don't provide information to police, but do document. You know, at the time that you're given the ticket, take take your phone out once you're pulled over and you're 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 parked and the officer's dealing with you, take a photo of the radio, take a photo of the, the microphone um, uh, that you use for the radio, take a photo uh, showing the date and time um, with your, your vehicle clock in it or, um, or you know, with a picture of the ticket in it so that you can gather the evidence necessary to establish your case in court. Should you turn your vehicle off, probably, keys out of the ignition when using your phone? I mean, if a cop just pulled you over for distracted driving, taking pictures on your phone while your car's running probably isn't the best thing to do, is it? If you're lawfully parked and out of the way of traffic, even if your vehicle's still running, you can use the phone. So as long as you're pulled over in a lawful parking place, which most of the time when you pull over, you mm -hmm. pull over to the side of the road, um, you are entitled to use your phone even if the engine is still running. Okay. Well, that's uh, good Good to know for sure. Um Okay, wow, that's that's interesting that, you know, it kind of had to go to that kind of a, an extreme level, though, given that uh, this is something that, you know, commercial drivers, as you mentioned, are using this kind of stuff on a daily basis, whether it be, you know, in the trucking industry or, you know, cab drivers and stuff. They're always contacting dispatch through these types of, of radio devices. So you think that this would be something that would have a little bit more clarity. I mean, is it surprising that um, it kind of took this long to see a case like this go through the court system and actually have things overturned? It is surprising to me that this took this long because of how frequent these tickets uh, are issued as well as how common these types of radios are. Um, I expect that many people just pay the ticket. People feel very defeated when they get a ticket, even if they're wrongfully accused. Um, and because the law is not clear, I mean, it was so unclear that a, a judicial justice in traffic court applied the law incorrectly in convicting Ms. Shackley. Um, you, you know, when the law is unclear people are more likely to assume that they were wrong than a police officer was wrong. We're brought up to trust the police and, and to believe that what police are telling us is going to be the truth and the police are educated about the law. And that's not always the case. But the unfortunate result is that for people who get these tickets, they pay them 
thinking that they did something wrong and, you know, resolving not to do that in the future, um, or at least to try not to get caught, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, rather than actually looking into their legal rights and options. Well, I think this is a good conversation then for anyone who finds themselves using that type of equipment to hear. So hopefully uh, this this clears things up for those particular individuals. Um, One other thing I did want to get to while I have you, Kyla, and that's we talked about a month ago about the situation in Kamloops when it comes to uh, sitting judges. So in April, it was announced that Justice Len Marchand was being promoted to the BC Court of Appeal, and then uh, Justice Dev Delay's move from the tournament capital to the Fraser Valley was taking place as well. So a couple of judges leaving Kamloops as a result of some some changes. Uh, but we got word here earlier today that the appointment of a new judge is happening and is going to fill some judicial vacancies that have been created by, as mentioned, some some moves. Uh, Loriana Bennett will be appointed in Kamloops effective June. Seventh. Now, um, I just, uh, what does this mean? Obviously, we were concerned a little bit about the access to justice and the backlogs that could be created as a result of not having enough individuals to oversee cases. Uh, this doesn't sound like it's going to fill all of the void that's being created here, but it is a step in the right direction. So uh, just with that in mind, this should help to move some things through the court system that, uh, you know, potentially could have seen a significant backlog and probably already are seeing a backlog, but um, obviously having an extra judge in Kamloops, good news for our community. Absolutely. Having another judge in Kamloops, having another judge just generally in BC Supreme Court is a great move um, that will allow uh, cases to be resolved faster and heard sooner. Um, And, you know, at the end of April, we also saw three new appointments uh, to the BC Supreme Court generally. Um, So it looks like the federal government is taking some of the court backlog seriously and and working hard to appoint judges and try and fill the existing vacancies. Um, Ultimately, as I've said before, the more judges that we have, the faster people can have their cases heard and the greater that promotes access to justice for those individuals. And and just looking back to to last summer, right, when the courts were pretty much shut down completely, I know there was some stuff happening over, you know, virtual sessions, but it still was not uh, moving along quite as smoothly as as could be. And there was that complete shutdown, right, in in the... uh, April and May, I think, of last year. Have, have there Has there been a, a catch-up yet at this point? Or are you still seeing some significant uh, backlogs as a result of that initial shutdown that we saw a year ago? We're still seeing significant backlogs as a result of the shutdown. We haven't had the full resumption of, of civil jury trials in British Columbia, and that accounts for a massive amount of the backlog. Um, this is, you know, mainly ICBC people um, who are claiming uh, injuries who want to have a jury trial, but other types of civil jury trials as well. Um, these cases are, are just have not been heard. And there were already massive delays for people. Sometimes four years was not abnormal. When we talk about court delays, we often just think about criminal delays and delays to trial and charges getting thrown out. But there are all sorts of other people that need to access the justice system, like people who are dealing with the civil uh, civil system, like people who are dealing with family law cases that need to get their cases into court, that need to be heard by judges, and are waiting years because of the backlog. So, you know, this is a good opportunity for the government to address the existing backlog that happened before the pandemic and use the pandemic as an excuse to uh, increase the number of uh, judicial appointments um, and fill uh, the courts to a full complement of judges to service the community that we need. Well, it looks like that is slowly happening, at least at this point in time. So we'll we'll continue to have these conversations as we see more vacancies get filled for sure. Last question here for you, Kyla, but you are the chip guru. So what was your choice of chip over the May long weekend? 
You know, I tried uh, the spicy salt and vinegar Reggie's chips from Old Dutch, uh, and they were pretty good. All right. Well, I'll go pick myself up a, a box of those or a bag. I don't even know. Do they still still <laughs> sell Old Dutch chips in boxes these days? I'm not sure. It's very hard to find them, but yes, they do. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll go find myself a box. Thanks so much, Kyla. Always appreciate the time, and we'll we'll catch up soon. Thank you for having me. Awesome stuff right there. Acumen Laws. Kyla Lee joining me out. She always does on the first day of the work week.